You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into a celebratory edition of the 415ers podcast. This is Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy with you, coming at you three times a week, Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Please download, rate, and subscribe. Five stars are appreciated. Mark, my good sir, how are you doing after Brock Purdy's first career start went about as flawlessly for him <laughs> as it could have? Uh, yeah, fantastic win for the 49ers, 35-7, to uh, but kind of similar To last week, Evan, when we were dealing with the uh, Jimmy Garoppolo injury, there was kind of a a gray cloud, um, you know, kind of circling the 49ers. It was a great win over the Dolphins, but you were wondering what the update was there. Of course, it was mostly bad news for the 49ers in relation to Jimmy Garoppolo out for the rest of the season and seems very likely that he would not play in the postseason as well. Um, and actually, as we speak, we do have an update on Debo Samuel from Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan said, we're not sure to the extent of the ankle injury for Debo Samuel, but that it is most likely a high ankle sprain, but also that it's not broken. So considering the way that Debo Samuel went down, Evan, I know we'll talk more about it in a little bit, but considering the way that he went down, Good news for the 49ers there, but it still puts a damper on what was an otherwise dominant day for the 49ers. Yeah, and uh, I, that that tweet that I saw, too, came from ESPN's Jeff Darlington about Kyle Shanahan's comments. To me, it, it also does sort of make sense. We'll talk about the impact of Debo's absence for sure, but just off the top, like when he grabbed at his what appeared to be left knee, I my mind went to the worst, but it does make a little more sense now as to it being a high ankle sprain considering it was, you know, he was grabbing above where I guess you would assume a broken yeah. ankle or something along those lines would be grabbed at. So, look, a high ankle sprain is not good. Uh, the 49ers have dealt with those before, specifically Elijah Mitchell, uh, who dealt with one earlier in the season, is dealing with ankle injuries now. Um, pardon me, NCL. But, you know, the issue now with Debo is how quickly they can get him back. But I do want to get back to the man of the hour that is Brock Purdy. And look, Mark, I. I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to sip the Kool-Aid a little bit, man. Like, <laughs> and, and I feel like it's hard not to at this point, just with how good he looked in just about every sort of part of the game that he was asked to perform in. Now, the majority of that had to do with the first half, but of course the 49ers put the game out of reach in the first half, large in part due to Brock Purdy. We can go down the different numbers of everyone that helped him today. Debo Samuel certainly included before he got hurt in the second quarter. But what were your initial thoughts of of the rookie's first start going up against the GOAT and not being afraid of the moment as everything appeared to show? Yeah, he was really good. Efficient, 16-21, 185 yards, a couple of touchdowns, did not turn the ball over. Also ran for a touchdown as well. Um, had a number of off-schedule plays where he turned, you know, something out of nothing. Um, he was really good. And, you know, you look at the numbers, uh, 185 passing yards. Okay, you know, didn't have a very big day passing the ball. But the Niners were up 28 nothing at halftime. He really didn't play the entire fourth quarter. And they were just totally fine with running the ball for the entire second half. So, Really, that 185 passing yards, a couple of touchdowns, no turnovers was really more a half 
a half's worth of work on the football field. So if this was a closer game, he probably gets up to 250 plus passing yards. So if you're looking to kind of maybe poke a hole just in those stats, then I, I would fire back, you know, in that way. But I mean, he was really good. He spread the ball around as well. No receiver had more than four catches. Kittle had four. Debo Samuel had four. McCaffrey had a couple, including a long touchdown. Ayuk had a couple, including a long touchdown. Kyle Juszczyk also had a couple of catches. So he's using all of his weapons. He's he's not turning the ball over. He did have that one moment late in the first half before the Brandon Ayuk touchdown where there was an interception that was called back because of a penalty, and then he hit Ayuk for that long score before the half. That was really the kind of the final nail in the coffin, making it 28-0 for the 49ers. But I'm with you, Evan. Um, he was really good. Uh, you know, he he backed up what he did in relief of Jimmy Garoppolo last week against the Dolphins uh, with the defense that was preparing for him and only him and a really good defense at that. And uh, he made it look like it was no problem. He made it look like he's been doing it for years. I was incredibly impressed with what we saw from Brock Purdy. Yeah, for a guy starting his first game, that's about as good as as you could ask for. The, yeah. the, the guy that immediately comes to mind he's playing on Sunday night but when it comes to like first starts in the NFL <laughs> under stressful conditions would be Justin Herbert who was forced into action in his rookie season yeah. he played the Chiefs in his first game and I remember watching that game and thinking man this this guy's got something now Brock Purdy's not as physically as impressive as a Justin Herbert but to me Mark I had the same sort of feeling of like oh I, like the 49ers are not in trouble like they 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 almost they felt the same as they did against the Dolphins in that game. You felt like Brock Purdy helped them win today. You feel like Brock Purdy grabbed the reins right out of the shoot. And outside of yes, I will admit that that one um, interception that he threw that was called back because of a hold, maybe unfairly against Tampa Bay, was certainly a big mistake that we'll take note of moving forward. But hey. Every time Jimmy Garoppolo makes an oh-no throw that either gets called back or that the 49ers are able to recover from, um, we try to give him the benefit of the doubt that the rest, the body of work should speak for itself as opposed to one play that is poor, one play that needs work. I think Brock Purdy was about as good as I could have hoped for from a quarterback in his position, and I did not expect it. I know we talked a lot about expectations and how they dictate how you feel about a performance, but I didn't expect Brock Purdy to do what he did against Tampa Bay today. And for me, it really came down to to one play that that I saw, and unfortunately, it involved Debo Samuel, who didn't get to finish the game. But with 12:50 in the second quarter, Brock Purdy kind of similar to that third and 10 against the Dolphins where there's a free rusher coming in his face and he's able to sidestep out of the way, get the ball out, basically show two things. One, he can evade the pass rush. He has enough sense in the pocket to be able to know where to move to dance around a defender and he's still young and physically gifted enough to be able to do that. And then secondarily, to make the read down the field, identify the open receiver, and have enough arm strength, maybe not to zip a bullet in there like you see from a top-notch quarterback, but recognizing what his physical gifts are and how to use them. I saw that multiple times today, but specifically on that throw to Debo Samuel at the beginning of the second quarter where he sidesteps the defender, moves up in the pocket, sort of slings it to Debo on the sideline, and then Samuel does the rest of the work. That, to me, is where I saw Brock Purdy look very good, not only for a rookie quarterback, but for any quarterback as we took a look at the uh, around the league today. 
he was there, there's just a sense of calm with him it, it it's very rare for a rookie quarterback let alone a rookie making his first start of his career he he never seems overwhelmed by what the defense is throwing at him and you know th- this is a a defense for Tampa Bay that is a little bit banged up. They have lost a number of guys over the last few weeks, but it doesn't matter who's on the other side. Uh, a rookie quarterback shouldn't look as composed and confident under pressure as Brock Purdy is. Uh, I agree. I highlighted that play you were talking about as well. The other one that stood out to me was his touchdown run. The first play of the second quarter, his team was up 7 nothing. Second and goal from the two. He drops back to pass. He looks to the right. There's, there's four receivers over the middle, Kittle, Juszczyk, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk. And then I think he has, it's McCaffrey kind of running out to the right as his last option. They're all covered up well by Tampa Bay. So what does Brock Purdy do? Does he look to throw the ball away? Does he just try to avoid a sack? Maybe does he just give up and go down? No, he actually tries to gain yardage with his legs. He steps up in the pocket, wake, makes one man miss. A nice cut to the right evades a a would-be tackler and a linebacker, and then is able to to get across the end zone untouched. So it's things like that, the improvisation that he is able to do. It's one thing for a rookie quarterback to to go through reads. First one's covered up. Second one's not there. Third one, ooh, that's a tight window. Don't feel comfortable about that one. Go to the fourth and then dump it off to McCaffrey. That's something that very few rookies can do. He went through all of his reads, four or five of them, and then still had the wherewithal to, to feel where the, the rush was coming from, evade the pressure, make a man miss, and get into the end zone without taking a hit. That as well, not only the physical tools, which you have to have to do that, the agility, the speed, the strength, the, the quickness, the, the vision, but just the wherewithal and the composure to make a move like that happen as well. Um, impressive from Brock Purdy all, all game long, but, but that was also a play that stood out to me. And on the end of that play, we also saw some animosity. We also saw some fire. I mean, we saw a guy that was hyped to be scoring his first rushing touchdown. He had three touchdowns on the game. He All three of them came in the first half. And I understand that, look, Tampa Bay, both due to maybe some tough calls, as well as their own ineptitude, like they shot themselves in the foot multiple times today, as you can make an argument the Dolphins did last week. Tom Brady was not very good today. That does not happen very often. Tom Brady was not good. He didn't get a, he didn't get help from many of his receivers, but even when he had them open, he missed them. Didn't get help from his running game. Didn't get help from his offensive line. And damn sure didn't get help from his defense that was missing both of their starting safeties along with losing Vita Vea early on in the game. Like, there were things that certainly worked in the 49ers' favor today. But when you have all of that, again, working for you, 35 to 7 is what should happen. You get credit for doing what you should do against an inferior opponent and one that's banged up and continuously hurting themselves like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We don't usually see a guy like Tom Brady that is had that has a lot of you know sort of I I guess you know backstory uh, motivation entering this game. And he's a guy that shines under the bright lights. But today it was Brock Purdy with clearly the better team, clearly the more prepared team, and a team with a better game plan that took full advantage of Tampa Bay and stomped them right from the get-go. Yeah. Niners just, I mean, they dominated every category in this game. You look at just the the raw numbers. 
I mean, the, the yards even out a little bit towards the end because the Buccaneers were just getting a bunch of garbage time drives together. And, and that was where, I mean, Mike Evans was held without a catch until, you know, garbage time in the fourth quarter. Yards weren't terrible, but 404 for the Niners to 322 for the Buccaneers. The Niners dominated on the ground. I mean, we talked about it on Friday in our preview episode for this game. The Buccaneers just have an incredible inability to run the ball. It is staggering how bad their run game is. Uh, they ran the ball for 69 yards, 19 carries, three and a half yards per carry. Not a terrible number, but still, they threw the ball, uh, what, 55 times. Tom Brady attempted 55 passes in this game. And, of course, you get down by a lot early, you're going to throw the ball a ton. But that has happened a lot for the Buccaneers this year as well. The 49ers did not allow the run game to get going, which I'm not saying that's a gigantic win because the Buccaneers have the worst run offense in the league. But you face 55 passes. You only give up seven points. It's 253 passing yards. You didn't sack Tom Brady once. It's because it was a lot of quick throws, not very many long developing plays. But really anywhere you look, the Niners uh, were, were dominant in this game. I think the, the line I use when previewing this game, Evan, was what? Infuriating? The, the Buccaneers are the most infuriating offense to watch in the NFL. And I think... You know, if you tried to take in this game from the Tampa Bay perspective, you would feel that that feeling because it, they have Chris Godwin. They have Mike Evans. Rashad White out of the backfield is, is a really good rookie running back. Um, Julio Jones is, is a shell of his former self, but still a talented receiver. And they just can't get anything going when his receivers are open. Tom Brady misses him. When Tom Brady makes a good throw, his receivers drop the pass. This is just an incredibly inefficient offense. The Niners took advantage, and, and, and they played well in their own right, but this is also a, a bad Tampa Bay offense, but still it was it was a dominant win for the 49ers. Yeah, it's a bad Tampa Bay offense that runs into the number one defense in the NFL, yeah. and that's what we saw today. And we saw, look, even though they didn't, get to Tom Brady as far as sacks, he was pressured the majority of the game. That's why we saw him throw multiple interceptions, both of which that were just bad, like at, like horrific interceptions. One right to Deshaun Gibson. The other, yeah. it looked like he might have gotten hit on the throw, but it was kind of tipped, went into uh, Dre Greenlaw. Big, pray, big play Dre, as some of the people around the station were screaming. You know, tips it up to himself, grabs the interception. Uh, Drake Greenlaw, by the way, combined was 15 great. tackles today. He was everywhere on the field. Um, Traverius Ward helped force that fumble towards the end of the game. That was scooped up. Like, the Niners just, like, it It, it sounds like a ho-hum and repetitive type of game. I know Nick Boso is, maybe we were expecting him to have a big game. He did end up playing, of course, uh, against a makeshift offensive line for Tampa Bay. But like he didn't get a sack. I don't think he really cares. The team won by 28 going yeah. away. Um, look, there, there's a lot to like defensively about the 49ers defense. And really, since that Chiefs game, it's become something that we have just expected. Now, when there are great defenses, you know, in an in, in historic conversation, a lot of times there, there tends to be a couple of bad games. Maybe not a game as bad as 44 points at home against, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. But I do think for me, Mark, over the course of this six-game winning streak now for the 49ers that has put them in 
First place, Seattle, by the way, losing at home to Carolina, setting up a matchup next Thursday, which the 49ers could clinch the NFC West division title. So they are in the driver's seat, two games up in the NFC West. But for me, this defense has regained whatever sort of swagger we saw them with through the first, I would say, probably four or five weeks of the season. A lot of that in the middle, you could say, might have been due to injury. Um, some teams, as far as having you know, dual-threat quarterbacks that may or may not give D'Amico Ryan's trouble. But for me, I'm back to expecting this defense every single week to make it virtually impossible for the opponent to score twice. I mean, we only, they only did it once a day, but I was expecting maybe 10 points from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, well, I guess my prediction was for them to score six. But you're, it's you're like, close. <laughs> I, I, I just I just don't expect the team to be able to score on the 49ers at this point. No, um, I mean, their defense is on a different level. I mean, you, you compare them to the other elite defenses in the NFL. Um, the Cowboys had a major hiccup today. I mean, they they should have lost that game to the Houston Texans. They're still an elite defense. But I think the Niners defense is just on a different level than even the second best defense in the league. We talked. We spent a lot of time over the season talking about the importance of, of Eric Armstead. He's back, and it seems like he's close to full strength, if not, you know, full at this point of the season. He had a a great bull rush in in the first quarter where he pushed his lineman that he was matched up with straight into Tom Brady, forced an incompletion, didn't get a sack, or won't really be credited with anything on that play. But he forced that incompletion. He was really good. He's a gigantic reason why opponents can't get the run game going because he just swallows up runners between the tackles. Uh, you get him back if you're the 49ers. You stay healthy in the defensive secondary with you know both the wards, with uh, Geometer Lenore, who is playing well as well, and, and Tashawn Gibson, who you mentioned, who had an interception. Um, the Niners' defense is just improving. There were some minor injuries here and there, specifically some some depth pieces on the defensive line up front. We'll talk more about those guys and, and checking on their status as the week moves on heading into Thursday against the Seahawks, Evan, but but I'm with you. Uh, you're at the point where if an opponent is if an opponent scores 20 points on this standard defense, you're a little shocked. That that's how good they are, no matter who the opponent is. It could be you know, the Dolphins, like last week, who are a really high-powered offense, they score 20, you're still going to be a little surprised because that's how good they are. Yeah, I would definitely tip my cap in that case.